Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. It's time for another episode of Your Financial Mission. Walter Storholt here alongside Janine Theus. She's the CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors. And you know what? Sometimes people just need a complete overhaul of their financial plan. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're like other folks who just you know, need a matter of a few tweaks, and that ends up making all the difference. There are lots of different ways you can look to improve your financial situation, improve your retirement planning with just a few tweaks. And we're going to take a look at a few of those on today's episode of Your Financial Mission. Opportunities for improvement. Janine, I bet you see this one all the time, and it's probably, I'm just going to give you one end of the spectrum, but I imagine you probably see this at both ends. Too much money in cash. How often do you see it? Why is it such a a big problem? And how easy is it to fix? I do see that quite a bit. Sometimes people pile up money in their checking or savings account uh, because they have the intention of investing it somewhere, someday, sometime, eventually. But they can easily forget about that pile. So it just keeps building up. And then they've got a ton of cash or a cache of cash, (laughs) you know, of lazy money just sitting there on the sidelines. A cash cushion is a good thing because there's always an emergency repair that you're you're planning a trip or any number of things you might need a little extra for. Often, though, and I think it's much more prevalent since 2008, the larger the stash of cash, I think, is more of an emotional cushion because this is the question I get. What if markets crash? What if there's a war? (laughs) What if, you know, things happen and I need the cash? And I think the latest scare in the news media is, oh, my gosh, there's going to be a potential EMP from North Korea. And uh, so a thought occurs to me, if you have all this cash at the bank and there really is an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse, which would shut down all the electrons, you're not going to be able to get it out of the bank Mm. right away. Anyway. So all the electronics will be down. It's the same argument so, with gold, right? Where you got have it, all your money in gold because what you're afraid of is the impending crash and doom and gloom where you're not going to be able to get access to money. And the same thing is like your gold is not your gold is not like in your backyard where you can now go and, you know, trade that for bullets and whatnot. You know? <laughs> That's exactly right. Be, because what is the currency going to be? Right. which is a very interesting question. We could save that one for another yeah. podcast. Seeds, bullets really- will probably be up at the top, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, the bottom line there is define, for most people, because you can take it to an extreme, define what the actual purpose is of having that much in cash. Is it that is there's an emotional sense of security that you need to have that much in cash? There may be better places to keep the cash than in a bank account. And so those are worth considering. Most people don't know they exist. So what are they? How do they work? Does it make sense for you? And maybe all you need is, 
just pulling a number out of my hat here, 10, 20, 30,000 and not 130,000 mm. yeah. that's sitting in cash or more. I mean, are you sometimes. seeing it that drastic, that out of whack for some people where it's, hey, you only yes. need 30,000 in cash, but you've got 150 in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's a little more common now. And I think it really is an emotional cushion because there, if you listen to headlines on the periphery or, or just on the surface, everything sounds so scary. And now that the market now has, I think, 47 record highs, people are afraid there's a crash because that's always what's proposed. Nobody has a clue if that's really going to happen. And so do you actually really need that cash like you have it? Now, if you were going to retire next year or in two years, maybe that makes sense as a potential bucket of security, if you will. But there are other plans or things that you can do. Fascinating. I would have, I would never have thought on the surface that it would be that pervasive of a problem or that uh, that serious that people are that out of whack. I mean, it's not like we're saying, all right, you've got uh, you know five thousand dollars too much sitting in the emergency fund account. Let's move that around. And you no, know, we're talking large sums of money that are just hanging out there. And for some people, that's that's what they're doing is they're just keeping large sums of cash because. Mm-hmm. But they really, what's the purpose of that? Right. Other than it makes me feel better. So the <laughs> opportunity for improvement then is let's get that balance back in shape. And now with this extra, again, using our example here, $100,000 sitting around, we're not going to let it sit around anymore. You're then looking for the place or an opportunity where it can go back to work for somebody. Exactly. All right. Well, good. There's opportunity for improvement number one. Too much money in cash. Seeing that more and more these days. Don't let that money just sit around and be lazy. Put it back to work for you. We don't want lazy money on the payroll. Get it back to work for you if you don't need it sitting on the sidelines. Another great example, I think, Janine, would be old life insurance policies. This has to be a common thing. You talk about you know, something we, we maybe bought 10, 15, 20 years ago and you know, we bought a 30-year life insurance policy or something like that, and it's still hanging out. And we forgot why we bought it in the first place, or maybe the needs have changed over time. That would be an area we could easily kind of gussy up some dollars that are going out the door in some cases. Well, a lot of people have old whole life or universal insurance policies that they've had for 15, 20 years or more, sometimes longer. And so they question whether they should still have them. What's interesting is the actuaries have shown that since we're living longer, the mortality tables are different from when you purchase that insurance. And so you might be able to get different insurance for cheaper. But if you have a whole life policy that's a participating policy, I'm going to convince you to keep it. But obviously we have to look at the whole structure of your plan because there's some value in having that. So it it is possible that you could find new policy that'll give you the same death benefit and cost you less. But for most people, they've bought term. And if you've held on to it for 10, 15, 20 years, it may be terming out. So now you're looking at, okay, what comes next? Or how much longer do I need to keep paying this for the death benefit? So it is worth getting a second opinion on those types of policies. Because what is it? What do you have? How's it working? Is it going to term out? And then if it's a whole life or universal policy, how is it performing? That's a really important question for those types of policies. But a review of policies is important regardless, because a lot in life changes from when you first bought the policy. So do you need a policy in retirement? I would venture to say, yes, many people do. The question to explore would be what kind of policy, what is the intended use? Is it a combination of long-term care policy? 
what is the death benefit? Where, you know, who's that for? Where is it going? Is it for estate planning? Is it for gifting and charity to the family? Or, you know, is this for the survivor's balance sheet to be made whole again if there's a prolonged expensive illness before death? Mm. Because there's a cost to that. So if you're depleting assets because of that, then life insurance comes back and makes the balance sheet whole for the survivors. So those kinds of conversations are really important because the industry at large has convinced people they don't need it in retirement. And that isn't always the case. All comes back to making sure that you have purpose for your dollars. And that's a great example of life insurance. You might still have a need for it in retirement or later on in life, but that need might have changed over time. And and maybe a different type of policy would be a better fit now. Always good to review those things, especially if it's been 15, 20 years since you put something in place. Life changes a little bit over that time span, doesn't it, Janine? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> just, definitely. Just a little bit. <laughs> I guess if we're talking about kind of old things hanging around, old life insurance policies, one of them, but old 401ks by that same token, we could probably apply the same thought process of there's probably some cleanup and some easy room for improvement with those. Yes, definitely. It's common for people to leave their 401ks behind when they leave a company and you do find a lot of people and partly it is because they don't know what to do with them. So if you've hopped companies two or three or four times, you may have two or three or four 401ks. And in almost all those cases, you can invest the money much more effectively and efficiently by rolling it into an IRA where you can be more efficient with the portfolio design than whatever the company's plan has allowed you to choose. So you can also control when you pay the taxes. So something to remember about multiple 401ks, and this comes later if you keep all of these different plans is when it comes to required minimum distributions, you will have to calculate an RMD from each 401k or 403b versus one distribution from however many IRAs you have. So at first, this is not maybe a big deal for some people, but over time, as folks age, it becomes a complication you probably don't want. And then it's also less effective in terms of determining income strategies. So you really want to clean up the 401k basket. (laughs) and consolidate and have a strategy for the investment because eventually that money, the pressure on that money is to provide the income and you have to work that out. Lots of different things to consider, I think, with uh, with old 401ks because you can just take it in so many different directions. Always best to get that individual guidance on if you've uh, left an old 401k behind with a past employer and looking to uh, change things as you move forward. Want that extra flexibility or, or changes. Always important to get that guidance. And Janine, any other easy areas for improvement in the financial landscape that you see pop up all the time that you think are worth mentioning? Well, occasionally we see accounts where people are paying a fee for management, but there's not a whole lot of management going on. Okay. You know, they've invested in the same mutual funds they've been in for years, and the advisor rarely, if ever, communicates. Hmm. And that's often the case with the big box advisory firms, because advisors move around a lot. If somebody's promoted, they're promoted out of that position. So you might have that advisor for a while, then they leave, or then they go out on their own, or they go join another firm, and you lose them unless they try to take you with them. And sometimes that's an issue that, you know, they can't work around. So one issue I've occasionally noticed is that representatives don't always ask the right questions. So they're interested, especially not to pick on big box firms, but they're interested in acquiring the assets and instead of actually helping you solve a problem. So they'll... You know, they might give you a direct answer to a question, but was that the question you needed to ask? 
So they don't always get all the information before they make recommendations. And sometimes that backfires on the client. So that's a real problem. Yeah, all of these are problems. But Janine, they sound like all these kinds of things are uncovered. When you meet with folks in your office and go over financial plans, this just a small smattering of some of the things that you're able to kind of delve into and improve when it comes to a financial plan? Yep. We try to go through and I try to ask, obviously, what's the money for, but also what are the other things that are affecting your decisions? Because sometimes folks ask a simple question and it's really a more complicated question they're trying to ask. They just don't know how to ask it. <laughs> so you have to kind of, it's a dance back and forth. What are we trying to solve here? <laughs> Well, if you want to do the dance with Janine and figure out exactly what it is, like she said, that you're trying to solve and and make sure that you're set up properly for your financial future into and through retirement, pick up the phone, call Janine and her team at Theos Wealth Advisors, 443-718-6311. You'll speak with Gracie most likely when you call, and she'll set up that time for you to come in or help you out with any questions that you might have about the process, 443-718-6311. 6311, or you can always go to the website, theuswealthadvisors.com. Again, that's theuswealthadvisors.com, and you'll get the straight skinny on your financial plan, not only here on the podcast, Your Financial Mission, but every time you come into the office, Janine will make sure that you're set straight on your financial plan. Coming up on the next podcast, we're going to delve into a really good topic. We're going to talk about reaping the rewards for financial sacrifice, what it looks like to pass up on you know, the immediate benefit in some of these financial situations, how important it is to maybe consider waiting a little bit and experiencing that delayed benefit. How big of a difference will it make in the long run? In some cases, huge. And you're going to want to hear about it. That's coming up on the next podcast with Janine Theus, Walter Storholt here with you. And this has been your financial mission. 